You're listening to Yap, Young and Profiting Podcast, a place where you can listen, learn, and profit. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Hala Taha, and on Young and Profiting Podcast, we investigate a new topic each week and interview some of the brightest minds in the world. My goal is to turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your everyday life, no matter your age, profession, or industry. There's no fluff on this podcast, and that's on purpose. I'm here to uncover value from my guests by doing the proper research and asking the right questions. If you're new to the show, we've chatted with the likes of ex-FBI agents, real estate moguls, self-made billionaires, CEOs, and best-selling authors. Our subject matter ranges from enhancing productivity, how to gain influence, the art of entrepreneurship, and more. If you're smart and like to continually improve yourself, hit the subscribe button because you'll love it here at Young and Profiting Podcast. This week on Yap, we're sharing one of my favorite Yap classics, number 111, Future Proof Yourself with Jay Samet. If you've ever participated in an internet auction, read an ebook, used a group chat, or watched a video on a computer, you probably have Jay to thank. But after listening to this episode, you'll also feel the need to thank him for all his actionable advice for future-proofing yourself and reaching your full potential. Jay knows how to disrupt an industry and create opportunities. And not only that, he can show you how you can do that too. He believes that with the right tools and mindset, anyone can achieve their goals and even become a millionaire. Jay is known for pioneering breakthrough advancements in mobile, e-commerce, digital distribution, and spatial reality that are used by billions of consumers every day. He's a serial entrepreneur and is recognized as one of the world's leading experts on disruption and innovation. Jay has helped build billion-dollar startups, transformed entire industries, wrote several best-selling books, and he's held executive roles at Deloitte, Sony, Universal Studios, and more. Jay currently serves as the executive chairman at Greenfield Robotics. I'm super excited to revisit this classic with you all. The knowledge and advice Jay shares is valuable for everyone at any place in their career. This episode inspired me to keep pushing myself, and I think it will do the same for you. Jay was also on episode number 27 of Yap way back in May of 2019. So after you're done with this episode, go check out that original one-on-one session I had with Jay. It was amazing as well. And in this episode, Jay and I talk about his new book, Future Proofing You, the story of his mentee, Vince Clancy, the importance of filling the void, some of Jay's 12 truths, sustainable capitalism, NFTs, augmented reality, and so much more. If you're looking to create your own wealth and secure your future, this episode is for you. Let's jump right in. I am so excited. So for all of my listeners who are tuning in, Jay was with us back during episode number 27. That was almost two years ago. And since then, we've grown like 10x. And I've invited him back on the show because he's got a new book coming out. Episode 27, we covered Disrupt You, and now he's got Future Proofing You coming out. So really excited to dive into all of that. And I do want to introduce you to my listeners so that they understand who you are, because I think a lot of people aren't going to go back and listen to episode number 27. All right. So let's talk about your career journey a little bit. Um, I think there's some great insight that my listeners can learn. So you graduated from UCLA in 1982, and you graduated into a depression, and oh, you, yeah. There were you, no jobs. Yeah. And you strive to get good grades, right? And, and you were sold on the dream that, you know, you go to a good school, you get good grades, you get a good job. 
and live happily ever after. Yeah, yeah, it didn't turn out that way for you. So tell us about how you ended up, you know, getting a job in media without any connections or, you know, in, in such a bad market. How did you do that? So there were a couple things. I eventually figured out my pattern was you can solve any problem with data. So we're, we're, we're pre-internet, we're pre-PCs, we're pre-when people use the word data. I wanted to, Star Wars was the movie that changed my life like everybody's. I wanted to make Hollywood special effects. A couple problems, I knew no one in Hollywood, I knew nothing about special effects and didn't know where to start. So I took out what's called a blind ad in the Hollywood Reporter that described the job I want to get as if I was a studio offering that job. And that gave me a bunch of resumes, which gave me two pieces of data. One, what do I need on my resume? What skills, what do I need to accomplish so I could get in those type of jobs? And number two, everybody that sent a resume had a job with one foot out the door, so those companies would be having openings. So that was the first round. Once I figured that piece out, I then made a big financial investment, a huge bet in my life. I bet one, I spent $1 and I printed up some business cards, 100 business cards. But I knew if I started a special effects company, no one would hire a company run by a 21-year-old. Like, what do I know? So I made myself head of sales. I didn't make myself the head of the company. The company was called Jasmine Productions. J-A-S is my initials, J. Allen Salmon, and it was mine. So that's where Jasmine came from. And then I went out and hustled, which everybody listening to your show knows what that's about. And I discovered something. I was competing against George Lucas and ILM. Most people can't afford George Lucas and ILM. So I got a lot of gigs on small budget movies and commercials and things that you wouldn't hear of. And then I did what everybody else does. I just hired people to do the work. I didn't know what I was doing. So there's only two things you need to succeed as an entrepreneur, insight and perseverance. I can teach and disrupt you and in Future Proofing You, I teach people how to find insight, how to find the next opportunities. And in Future Proofing You, I really dug into how to take perseverance and turn it into passion, how to solve a problem that you care about because it'll get you through the rough spots. This isn't about you wake up one day and then you're rich. This is about you're going to hit obstacles, but every obstacle is an opportunity in disguise. And if you can see that, then you'll find success. Yeah, I would definitely encourage everyone, if you're interested about Disrupt You, we went through it in great detail, episode number 27. Go check that out. So tell us, like, why did you decide that you needed to write this book? And I have a, a random question, kind of. Did you, once like COVID started, is that when you thought, you know, we need a book like this? Or did you have the idea before COVID? So I had the idea, but COVID completely influenced the book because the world has changed fundamentally. And I wanted to capture, in the first book, I've been telling for five years, whether by choice or circumstance, every career gets disrupted. I don't have to make that argument anymore. I think COVID kind of proved that anything can change. And we live in an uncertain world. This won't be the last pandemic. This won't be the last disaster. There won't be the last recession, whatever it may be. But I never planned to write a second book. And as I was saying, I get what I call love letters, these fan mail, which I love, but occasionally, usually from a younger person, I'd get, this is all motivational, but I could never do it. And I actually dedicated the book to the reader who said, not everybody can be a millionaire. And I wrote, yep, you're wrong. So I said, how can I reach somebody? What, what am I missing? Where did I fail in communicating what's possible? So I said, what if I put my reputation online? What if I take somebody that grew up on welfare was basically one step above homeless, was couch surfing, living with friends, 
And I mentored him one day a week for a year. I gave him no money. I don't give him any contacts. I don't tell him what business to do. He has to start a business that takes no capital. Could he get from that to self-made millionaire? And I'll give away the ending. He did it in 11 months, but he worked his butt off. He worked harder than most people are willing to work so he can live in a manner most people can't. So that was the genesis of the book. And when you mentor, you learn. I learned from him of what is different about the challenges for today. Nobody's facing the world that I faced in 1980. That's ludicrous. I always hate those famous people that write, well, if you did this after World War II, you'd be successful too. Well, you can't. But wages have been flat since 1982 in the United States. So it is hard to make it. The old, I'm going to get a job, I'm going to raise my family, I'm going to pay up the house, I'm going to have a pension, doesn't exist. In the 1950s, two years' salary was the average price of a house. So mom stayed home, only one salary, then everybody lived happily ever after. That's gone. And if you think your big company jobs are secure, Half of all jobs will disappear over the next five years. And it's not just, okay, truck drivers, automated trucks, factory workers. I was independent vice chairman of Deloitte, okay? Did $45 billion a year, Deloitte. Accountants, going to be software. Most legal, going to be software. Middle management, AI systems. Jobs are going away. So unless you take control of your destiny, unless you continue to be as full of change as the world around you, your prospects are bleak. That's so powerful and, and sets this up so well. You did mention the the, the guy that you were mentoring um, who was couch surfing and, and really one step away from being homeless. And in 11 months, you helped him become a millionaire. You didn't fund him. You just gave him advice. This guy's name was Vin Clancy. So I really want my listeners to hear the story about Vin. So, so walk us through that. Give us some detail in terms of how you shaped him and what he ended up doing. So this idea was germinating in my mind, if I could just find somebody. And what I didn't want to do is cherry pick. I didn't want to go, I'm going to teach somebody golf. Uh, Oh, Tiger Woods, come over here. I wanted to just say the first person that I try with, I have to do it. But Vin's life story of his parents being on welfare, of him having a, a tough childhood. He wasn't, he was an immigrant. He wasn't from this country. He had no safety net. I can't get him to organically become a growth mindset. I can't get him in that Honestly, I have to have them hit the ground running. So truth number one of the 12 truths is you have to have a growth mindset. So, and he didn't find this out until I let him read the book after it was typeset, that in our first meeting, I lied to Vin. So there's a psychological principle called the Pygmalion effect. A professor went to a school, an elementary school, tested all the kids, told the teachers these three kids would be super learners. And at the end of the year, they tested all the kids. And guess what? Those three kids excelled beyond everybody. But the professor lied. He never looked at the first test results, picked three names out of a hat. But if you tell people that they're special, they believe it. So when I sat down with Vin the first time, took him out for pizza. So in honesty, I did give him two pizzas in one year. So that was my help for him. I told him I'd interviewed over 100 candidates. He was the only one that had all the attributes to be a self-made millionaire. He hit every tick box, and he was my first choice for this. And so he internalized that. He may have not fully believed it, but he figured if this old dude, if this guy who's you know run billion-dollar empires and created billion-dollar companies, if he sees it, then it must be true. That let him hit the ground like a rocket. By the end of the first month, he had made over $60,000. I joked 
that he could have flown to Europe without a plane. I mean, he was so on top of the world. Now let's fast forward a few months. He's, he's working hard, he's doing, we can get into what he did. But mid-year, he's about a half a million dollars and his business gets sucker punched. Something that he didn't do, but all of a sudden it's over, it's down. He's got an unforeseeable problem. And I figure, okay, so a book about a guy who makes a half a million, that would be okay with I figured he was down for the count. But that growth mindset had so become part of his soul that when his business couldn't do the way he was doing it, he said, okay, that doesn't work. Let me try something else. And at the end of the month, when we sat down, his target for that month was to make 100 grand. And he made $96,000. He was beating himself up. And I was laughing inside. Could the old Vin have imagined being upset at only making $96,000 in a month? So it was an amazing journey. He, I pushed him hard. It was kind of like SEAL training or being on a marathon. I didn't want him to, to tap out. I didn't want him to give up. He had no social life. He didn't do anything. You know, you don't have to, you can have more work-life balance if you're not trying to become a millionaire in a year. But at the end of that year, what got him through, you know, month 11, month 12 was he was going to take a year off, travel the world, okay? And the only way he was able to do that is because he was future-proof, meaning he knew that whenever he wanted to turn it on again, he could have a business again. He could make money again. He didn't have to be dependent on, is there a job available? Will somebody hire me? Oh, there's so many other people competing for the one job. And today, he now has Fortune 500 clients, which is amazing to me, doing the same things that people were paying $200 a month to do. He's now getting six figures a month to do. It's super interesting. So I know your your first truth is you must have a growth mindset in order to succeed. So why did you decide that was truth number one? How does that kind of set you up for everything else? And how about people who are like Vin, who don't have a growth mindset? How do they snap out of it if they don't have a Jay Samet who's going to take them under their wing? The reason why it starts with growth mindset, we all know that person that comes to the office or comes to work with a cloud over their head. Oh, I got such problems. Oh, I got such problems. Oh, you know, the whole world is miserable. Oh. But with a growth mindset, you look at every problem and say, wait a second, lots of people have this problem. If I solve this, that's a business. Entrepreneurs don't sell things, they solve problems. Solve for a few people, you have friends. Solve for a million, you make millions. Solve for a billion, you change history. Dozens of people that I work with became household names and billionaires. And if you would have told me I would know somebody that made a billion dollars, I'd be like, you're, you're out of your mind. I, I came from, you know, my dad was a public school teacher. So I've seen it and I've seen and work with the Steve Jobs and, and the Bill Gates and, and et cetera, et cetera, before, you know, Reed Hoffman, you know, who did, wrote the forward to disrupt you. I knew these people before they, they were household names, you know, most of them didn't go to the right schools. None of them came from money. Elon Musk was an immigrant, but they did something different. They looked at the world differently, and that can be taught. And every 48 hours, there's a new self-made billionaire. You won't most likely get to a billion dollars the Warren Buffett way, taking nothing away from, from the genius. He just crossed $100 billion. He's worth more than me, Okay. But he made 99% of that after he was 50. I'm on the wrong side of 50, and I will tell you, I'd have a lot more fun with that billion dollars if I was like Kylie Jenner, and I hit a billion dollars at 22. So how did she become a billionaire at 22? And you go, well, she's a Kardashian. 
There's no billionaires in the Kardashian family. What did she do differently? How can you do that? We're all connected by a phone. We're one click away from 7 billion potential customers. You only have to zero in on the right thing for one nanosecond to make that kind of money. Oh my gosh, this segment of the episode I find so powerful because there's so many lessons in this. I love saying that like when you're starting a business, find the void and really focus on that void. That way you kind of uh, differentiate yourself in the market for Yap Media. We're a podcast marketing and social media agency. And so that's our differentiator. We are, we're all about, we know everything about podcasting. Plus we can do everything else, right? So I love that. I think that's really cool. So I'll give you a little acronym. So yeah. the acronym for launching anything that I have is MOVE. M is mindset. You have to start with that mindset, okay? You have to find an obstacle. What is the problem that you're solving, okay? Find the void, okay, that nobody else is doing, and then execution. And that's it. There's no fancy rocket science. It's just those basic steps. And, I, and in Future Proofing You, we map out Vin's journey so you can see page by page, week by week, month by month how he follows the 12 truths and what the results are. At the end of each chapter, there's a little sidebar that does his accounting for the month. So here's where he made the money, here's what he, here's what he learned, and, and here's the problem. So it's like a page turner. I wonder how Vin's going to do. But it's so teachable and so doable. It doesn't mean it happens overnight. It doesn't happen without work. This isn't future-proofing you as in a get-rich-quick scheme. It's a roadmap. It's a workbook for you to achieve your goals. And now a quick break from our sponsors. Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. And I love to teach sales on LinkedIn because when it comes to B2B sales, LinkedIn has got that on lock. LinkedIn is where all the decision makers are hanging out. There are 180 million senior level decision makers on LinkedIn and 10 million C-suite decision makers. These people are on LinkedIn and they're in the mode to buy. They're using LinkedIn for their buying journey to research vendors or sales reps that they might work with, to look up how to solve their problems, to Learn from industry thought leaders. They are in the mode to buy, whereas on other platforms, they're in the mode to be entertained. You want to get them in the right mindset. You want to cut through the noise with LinkedIn ads. In fact, 79% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as their top channel for paid media. And LinkedIn has the best targeting because they've got all these different inputs. People are putting their resume basically up on there. And so there's so many keywords that they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiters who want to try LinkedIn ads. You can get $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you want to make B2B marketing everything it can be and get $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Yap fam, starting my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass was one of the best things I've ever done for my business. I didn't have to waste time figuring out all the nuts and bolts of setting up a website that had everything I needed, like a way to buy my course, subscription offerings, chat functionality, and so on, because it was super easy with Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your first product, finally taking your side hustle full-time, or making half a million dollars from your masterclass like me. And it doesn't matter if you're selling digital products or vegan cosmetics. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Shopify's got you covered as you scale. Stop those online window shoppers in their tracks and turn them into loyal customers with the internet's best converting checkout. I'm talking 36% better on average compared to other options out there. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., from huge shoe brands like Allbirds to vegan cosmetic brands like Thrive Cosmetics. Actually, back on episode 253, I interviewed the CEO and founder of Thrive Cosmetics, Carissa Bodnar, and she told me about how she set up her store with Shopify and it was so plug and play, her store exploded right away. Even for a makeup artist type girl with no coding skills, it was easy for her to open up a shop and start her dream job as an entrepreneur. That was nearly a decade ago. And now it's even easier to sell more with less thanks to AI tools like Shopify Magic. And you never have to worry about figuring it out on your own. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. So you can focus on the important stuff, the stuff you like to do. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting. And that's all lowercase. If you want to start that side hustle you've always dreamed of, if you want to start that business you can't stop thinking about, if you have a great idea, what are you waiting for? Start your store on Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Again, that's shopify.com slash profiting. Shopify.com slash profiting for $1 per month trial period. Again, that's shopify.com slash profiting. It really started with that one client that he got that kind of proof from, the case study that proved everything out that he then could leverage over and over and over again to keep building his business. So, And I'll give you the example in my life. Um, a few years ago, some VCs called me. They put $8 million into a startup, an advertising platform, a digital advertising platform that had lifetime sales of $30,000. It was dead in the water, wasn't going but I saw what it could be and should be. So it did the same thing. Couldn't get any paying clients, so why not go and start and prove what we could do for charities? Because the boards of charities aren't charities. The boards of charities are chief marketing officers of major brands who are civic-minded, so they're going to see what you do. Fast forward, suddenly now we get Coca-Cola and Disney and Microsoft and all these big brands paying us, and 18 months later, News Corp acquired it for $200 million. That's amazing. This is what you can do. And it's done again and again. And I also explain in the book why startups sell for these insane amounts of money. Because most people go, I don't get it. You know, they they got this in sales. How could it be worth that? So let me explain it. Because I think it's really helpful for entrepreneurs and will embolden you to create something. I've been a public company NASDAQ CEO. Every CEO, when they have the job, will tell you, I'm thinking about the shareholders, I'm thinking about the employees, I'm thinking about the customers, whatever. Here's what they're really thinking about, themselves. Because CEOs of big companies get paid very little, but they have a huge bonus package. If the stock moves to here, 
they back up the Brinks truck to your house and give you obscene amounts of money. So if that's the way that you're hired, what are you thinking about? How do I hit that number? So the easiest way to hit profits, the hard way is to develop something good and get more sales. The easier way is stop spending. So they stop R&D. They stop developing next year's product and the year after. Because again, most CEOs don't last very long. They're like a piece of brie cheese. They smell after a while and the board gets rid of them. So if you can hit that number, great. So now all of a sudden, you hit the number, got it, but uh uh-oh, we got nothing to sell next year. Our core business has changed. Then go out and acquire something that instantly puts you in the game. So let's take Google, super successful company, own desktop advertising, best business model of all time. They're printing money like they're Google. But all of a sudden, everybody started using their phone. People weren't at their desktops anymore. They're losing market share. It's going away. So they bought Android. They bought hundreds of companies, okay? Facebook could have hired the guy who created WhatsApp. He applied for a job. He didn't get it. Less than three years later, they buy his WhatsApp for $17 billion. He would have given them the idea for free. Why did they pay so much? Because if somebody else got it, that'd be a formidable competition. Their whole empire could disappear. So people will always overpay to block somebody else from getting it or to keep their job. So why wouldn't you want to sell something for that? Because what you're really doing when you sell something for a lot of money, is you're pulling your future revenues into the present. Sure, if I had kept this company or that company for the next 20 years, I would get the same amount of money. But I could get a little less, and they'll give it to me all today. Hmm. Sounds like a good deal. I'll always be the guy that sells out early. Now, the only time I've raised my voice in my career, I was mentoring two young people in their 20s. They had a very good idea. First month in business, a very famous wealthy person comes along and offers them $100 million for their company. And I'm like, we're taking it, right? And they're like, no, we're going to be billionaires. Oh, this is just the first offer. Like, it's $100 million. There's nothing you can do with a billion that you couldn't do with $100 million. Make a long story short, they turn it down. I leave the board. By next year, there's 100 companies doing the same thing as them. They have to raise more money. By the next year, they have to raise more money. Today, if it literally sold for a billion dollars, they'd get less money than they would have gotten in the first 30 days. Goes to show you how you got to act fast. And you want to make sure that you have good advisors, that you have mentors that can explain that the that you were smart enough to have that moment in the sun. Are you smart enough to capitalize it? Back in my early days, I at one point in history, very early history, I had seven of the top 10 selling video games in the US, my little company. And all of a sudden, another company came and offered me a third of their company for all of mine. And I'm like, I don't understand stock. I don't get this. I don't, you know. So I turned down Activision. Oh, my God. (laughs) Which is an $18 billion company. I went to public school, but a third of $18 billion is $6 billion in my 20s. So believe me, I didn't learn these things because I'm a genius. I learned them because I got the scars to prove it. 
Okay, so back to the 12 truths and future proofing. Let's do a quick fire segment. I want, I'm going to rattle off some of the truths. I don't expect you to, I didn't expect you to have your 12 truths memorized, although knowing you, you probably do know them all by heart. I'm going to rattle them off. And why don't you say what the truth is and give some actionable advice. And I may ask some follow-up questions. So we already talked about growth mindset. So I'm going to skip that one. Your fourth truth is failure is great. What is this truth and how can we take action? So when you see a, a toddler, they don't st- wake up and say, today I shall walk across the room. They try it, they stumble, they try it, they stumble. When you play, play a video game, you hit an obstacle, you fail, you finally get over it, then there's another, another, another. That's all the work is. You will fail your way to the top. Jeff Bezos with Amazon lost money year after year after year after year. And when he came out the other side, he was the richest man in the world. So don't beat yourself up for failing. Failing just means you figured out what doesn't work. So you try another path. You know, some of the most successful companies were pivots of something that they didn't set out to do. So that's what I mean by that. You cannot become successful without failing. And, you know, what if we do fail? How do we overcome it quickly and kind of get back up on the horse? To acknowledge it, or one tip, if you're really beating yourself up, write down everything that's bothering on a piece of paper, get it all out, and then just throw away the piece of paper. You know, it's cathartic. Just move on. Because every moment you spend thinking about the past is a moment you're stealing from your future. And I think failing gets easier. Like, once you've failed a few times and you realize that, like, this is just part of the process, and the more I fail, the more likely I'm actually going to achieve, it gets easier and easier, right? And with that, and we skipped over it, but fear, you know, is one of the truths. That fear is something that can be harnessed. Fear is a positive. I hate, 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 hate the guru charlatans that say fear isn't real. We are biologically hardwired to be fearful. You're only here because your great ancestor saw that saber-toothed tiger and ran. The people that weren't afraid of it were lunch, okay? But athletes can harness fear to make adrenaline, which makes their heart pump more and they, they get better results. So if, you, if you're afraid of starting your company because you'll be embarrassed, because you'll fail, because you'll lose your money, you lose family money, you lose other people's money, all real fears. But if you're crossing the street and a truck's about to run you over, you're not thinking about those fears. You're thinking about the existential one of, if I don't jump out of the way, I die. So now let's put this in the context of those fears about your business. If you're at a job where you're not growing, where it's just paying you to survive but not to thrive and live, you're going to trade a day, a week, a year, a month, years, 10 years. You're going to wake up one day and realize you gave away the most precious thing in the world, the only life you will have for what? Nothing? And if you don't believe me, go talk to your grandparents, go to an old age home, ask somebody at that stage, what their biggest regret is, is not what they failed at. It's what they failed to try. So focus on that fear and the others seem inconsequential. And if people make fun of you, here's a tip. I have yet to meet a hater that's doing better than I am. They're making fun of because they don't have the guts to believe in themselves. Investors would rather invest in somebody that's already failed once than somebody that's doing their first business because it shows that you have grit. Okay, number six, the sixth truth, passion makes you unstoppable. So I don't want to minimize how hard the journey will be. The journey will be hard. 
But if you can take that perseverance and really be passionate about what you're solving, the foreword of Future Proofing You was written by Tom Bilyeu. Tom had a software company he wasn't passionate about, they're making money, but he had obese, morbidly obese relatives. And he looked at the protein bars in the market and they were all made with corn syrup. There were 1,600 different ones out there and they're basically candy bars. And he goes, this is wrong. I want to do something. I want to help obesity. I want to solve that problem. The void is nobody else is actually solving it. They're claiming to. So he started Quest, Quest bars, and they're great bars. And a couple of years later, then they sell for a billion dollars. That's what gets you through the hurdles. One of his hurdles was when he went to, normally most food brands don't actually make their own. They come with the recipe and they go to a co-packer. But every co-packer had machinery that required a liquid stuff to squeeze out to make the tubes and the corn syrups, the liquid thing that makes that work. And that's why everybody used it. So when they hit that wall, okay, there's no co-packer. I guess we go out of business. No, they still have to solve the problem. So one of the founders at Quest literally took a blowtorch, bought one of those machines, and took it apart and made their own new machine to make bars, right? They just, whatever the obstacle is, you can overcome it. One out of three Fortune 500 companies in the U.S. was founded by an immigrant or the first-generation child. And why I say that is because those immigrants had a passion. Their journey started before they got to the shores if they're doing a menial job, if they're sweeping a floor, if they're you know, working somewhere, that's not their identity. That is a step in their path to get to their goal. And that's why you see that drive. When Elon Musk was a young immigrant in this country with no money, he wanted to be an entrepreneur, but he was afraid, could he live in this rich country and survive? So he said, I'm going to see if I can live for a dollar a day for a month. Could he live on $30? And probably ate a lot of ramen, okay, and some oranges and some pizza, but he did it. And once he knew that, he said, I'll always be able to make $30 so I can take the risk. And his first company, he literally had one PC. The website was up during the day. At night, they programmed on it. They lived in the little office. They had no apartments. They went and took their shower down at the Y. And now he's worth $200 billion. Oh, my God. It was a journey in identity. It's incredible. Goes to show you what passion can do and some grit, right? So amazing. Okay, next one. Everything is a tech startup. This is truth number eight. So I, I sometimes hear people say, well, I'm opening a restaurant. I'm, I'm doing shoes. I'm doing... Every business is a tech startup. Play this game with me. You're going to get the answer wrong. That's why it's a game that I'm doing. If I gave you a million dollars and said, go back 10 years and pick the number one most successful tech stock, what would it be? 10 years ago? Yeah. Facebook? Nope. Not Google, not Apple, not Instagram. No. It's a trick question. If everything's a tech startup, the tech company that was the most successful the past 10 years was Domino's Pizza. And you go, that's a tech company? When they went app-centric, the majority of their employees work in IT. They now have a direct relationship with their customer. They can test market. They can regionalize. They can do all kinds of stuff that their competition can't. They can use less people to make. What the product is is actually the easiest part of business. So 
If you're spending most of your life in the digital world, if the first thing you do when you wake up is look at your phone and you spend five and a half hours looking at it during the day and it's the last thing you kiss at night, why isn't your business there? Even if it's something in, in the physical world. So you have to take that point of view. And the second part of that is the only competitive advantage in any business in the 21st century, including your media company, is getting insights from your customers faster than the competition. So it's that tech data. It's that direct relationship. Very interesting. Okay. Truth number 12, remote workers are your competitive advantage. We touched on this a bit. So we touched on this. So so here's what's interesting. For the employer, we talked about that. For the employee, you're not spending on average 81 minutes commuting. So that is now a gift to spend more time with loved ones or to take care of kids or take care of elderly relatives or whatever to do your side hustle, to to just have a work-life balance that brings you joy in every day. I commuted for years and in the morning, it was a grind. I'd get into the office in a horrible mood. And at the end of a long day, I'd come home drained and have no energy for my kids or my, my spouse. And, you know, it wasn't fair to her. It wasn't fair to them. Now imagine that you don't have to do that. And you're not inhaling carbon monoxide for, you know, an hour and a half a day. So that's a huge advantage. And the tools are in place. People wanted to do this since the 1970s. It just now... All the software's there. There are tax incentives for doing it. And as I said earlier, you're no longer limited to just hire the best people in your town. You can hire the best people for the job. If you don't believe me, have you ever used 99designs? No, but I use like Fiverr and Fiverr, yeah. And stuff. So yeah. these gig things where, you know, I can say I'll pay $500 for a logo and I'll get 100 submissions, right? And when I pick one, I always ask, where are you? And sometimes it's somebody doing a side hustle from a major ad agency. And sometimes it's a college kid in Indonesia. It's just phenomenal. So that's the great advantage of that. Hold tight, everyone. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Young and profiters, we are all making money. But is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform. I'd always forget my Fidelity password. And then I have to reset my password. I knew that needed to change because I need to keep track of all my stuff. Everything got better once I started using Yahoo Finance, the sponsor of today's episode. You can securely link up all of your investment accounts in Yahoo Finance for one unified view of your wealth. They've got stock analyst ratings. They have independent research. I can customize charts and choose what metrics I want to display for all my stocks so I can make the best decisions. I can even dig into financial statements and balance sheets of the companies that I'm curious about. Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Young and profiters, Yap Media is growing so fast. I have 10 open roles just this month. 
In the past, it would take me so long to find hires. I have to go on all these different job sites. I have to create my own skills assessments. That's why I let Indeed do a lot of this heavy lifting for me. Indeed is the powerful hiring platform where I can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed has things like skills assessments, where when we have specific roles, we can find an assessment that matches that role and we can make sure they have the skills that we need. Then I can focus on culture fit. I can make sure they're scrappy enough and are obsessed with excellence and do all the things that we need to do for them to fit in at YAP. And Indeed streamlines hiring with powerful tools like Instant Match. An Instant Match basically matches you with candidates as soon as you put up a job post with people who are qualified right away. It's instant. And the best part is it gets better as you use it. So now when I use Indeed, especially when I'm hiring for similar roles, I get people right away where they know that I'm going to like the candidates because they can see what my preferences were in the past. It gets better as you use it. According to US Indeed data, the moment Indeed sponsors a job, over 80% of employers get candidates whose resumes are a perfect match for the position. It's like waving a magic wand that gets better as you use it. So I love using Indeed. We've found a lot of our A players on there. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide who count on Indeed to hire their next superstar like we do at Yap Media. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash profiting. Offer is good for a limited time. Claim your $75 sponsored job credit at indeed.com slash profiting. Again, that's indeed.com slash profiting and support the show by saying you heard about it on Young and Profiting Podcast. Again, it's indeed.com slash profiting to get your $75 credit. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, so I know earlier we were talking about how COVID impacted your book And obviously this last truth here, remote work is your advantage. I think all that obviously accelerated with COVID, you know, it became a reality much faster because of COVID. And now I don't think I was working at Disney streaming services at the time. I'm an entrepreneur now. I actually started my side hustle Yap Media because I didn't have a commute anymore and I've grown it so big as a side hustle. So it goes to show that you can do a lot of time with that, those 80 minutes that you can do a lot with those 80 minutes that you were previously commuting. So what else changed with COVID? What would you say is, because this seems like a positive, right? What other positive things do you see or, or just changes in the future because of this pandemic? What do you see? So one of the other big changes is there has been a move towards people, especially of the younger generation, this is what I learned from the mentoring process, want to feel that purpose and that passion in their job. They want to work at a company that shares their values. They want to buy products from companies that share their values. Now, when we all got hit by something like this, it really just knocked that home because those companies that, that didn't take this seriously, we don't want to do business with, and those that really helped their employees or treated the community better because of this and and raised a hand and said, how can I help? We want them. So anybody can make shoes. But when Tom's Shoes says, when you buy a pair from Tom's, they give a pair to somebody that's never had a pair. It sure makes you feel better about that. So this started as cause marketing, but where we're now moving and where I end the book is talking about sustainable capitalism. The era of having endless growth, which is what capitalism is about and making your business bigger, bigger. You can't have endless growth on a finite planet. 
So you can either wait for the inevitable regulations that may put you out of business, or you can lean into that void and work on some of these big problems in your, in your own world. And proof of the pudding, I, know I didn't want to run another company, but when the, the team from Greenfield Robotics came to me and said, we have a little robot that goes up and down the, the field, think of rows of corn, and deals with weeds so you don't have to put pesticides on our food. You don't have to put poisons on the food. You don't have to till the soil, which is why you, farmers till the soils to break up weeds. And that's the single largest source of greenhouse gases on the planet. 25% of carbon in the atmosphere comes from farming. So these little robots can save our atmosphere, can save us from getting cancer, can let the farmers make 40% more because you don't have to buy the chemicals and it's robots as a service. And the extra poisons don't go down the river killing all the fish in the Gulf of Mexico. I felt morally obligated to say no is to say, I don't care about the future of this planet. And so that's why I said yes to be chairman of, of Greenfield Robotics. And it changes the world. But every company can do it and they can do it for the profitable reason, not as charity. Walmart, after employing people, their second biggest cost was energy. So they leaned in, they looked at it, and they replaced all the fluorescent lights with LEDs, saving $100 million of energy a year. Well, if they do that, that puts a target on Target's back. Like, we got to do something. So now Target is the largest installation of solar panels, right? So everybody's moving this direction. When we use all that energy to search stuff on Google, you can imagine how big those server farms are all over the world. Google has been carbon neutral for over a decade, all with renewable resources, all putting things in the coolest places that you know, can use the least amount of energy. So we don't have time to pretend that our planet isn't changing in a way that may not be hospitable for mammals. We have to act now. And why not make that part of your passion and part of what drives your business to go further? I completely agree. Okay, so we're going to wind this down. I have a few questions on you being a futurist. I want to talk about spatial reality and I want to talk about NFTs. So you call spatial reality a trillion dollar opportunity. I've never really heard of this before. So tell us what spatial reality is. If I haven't heard it, I'm sure that most of my listeners have not heard about it yet. Explain what that is. So you may know it by the term augmented reality. It's that we will now have a digital overlay on our world. We will have heads-up displays, glasses that we wear. I'm looking for where mine are. So you will no longer be taking your phone out of your pocket. You will be getting information here. He's pulling out his glasses, by the way, for everybody listening oh, yeah, sorry. on audio. So here's how that's different. If you went back 10 years ago, you can't live without your iPhone. You can't live without a smartphone. It, it rules your life. It's every business. But 10 years ago, before people created apps, no one knew what to do with it. The first year, one of the top 10 apps was the fart app. Just made fart sounds. Which means they didn't think of Robinhood or OpenTable or the countless other businesses that made billions of dollars. So now I'm telling you, the big guys are all working on these. Google's a client, Apple, Facebook, Microsoft. If Google doesn't own this, they, the, the lenses, they go out of business. If Apple doesn't sell you the glasses, they go out of business. And if you don't believe that you buy glasses for an app, 80 million pairs of glasses were sold in 2020 in the U.S. that cost more than $150 a pair that came with one app. 
focus. You want to read. Another 50 million came with another app called Sun. You want to be out in the sun, you need sunglasses. So an app that changes any menu anywhere in the world from any language to a language that you know, that's a pretty good app. You can also subtract things from the environment. You can go into the supermarket and say, the doctor just told me I have diabetes. Show me every product that doesn't have sugar and everything else will disappear. Show me those things that are keto or halal or kosher or uh, show me just the French wine. Show me which wine I had over such and such's house two weeks ago. So all sales and marketing will be taking place in this overlay. Why wouldn't you want to solve a problem today that couldn't be solved before that these glasses will now solve just as apps solve so many things? And think of the billions of dollars of businesses that will be created from this. People will not be searching for information. Information will be coming to them. Okay. So basically just to like kind of recap this to my listeners, spatial reality has to do with these glasses that you wear. And essentially it's a filter that people can, like, how would that even work? Like you gave the example of walking into Target or something and, and saying, show me everything that doesn't have sugar. How would that even work? What, does every box have a scanner or something? So there's a company right now that's, that's scanning in all the products and it'll black out the ones that it recognizes on the shelves. A simple one. I don't remember where I parked my car and I look down and there's a, a line of, of, you know, to my car. Or I'm often travel around the world and I go to some hotel I'm supposed to speak in the Monterey Ballroom. Where's the Monterey Ballroom? You know, just make me a line. Uh, you know, Pokemon Go showed that people would do this, okay? But it's so many more uses. You're a fireman. You're going to smoke-filled building, but your heads-up display ties into the blueprints that the city already has. So you know where the stairs are, you know where the window is, you know where the shutoff is. Uh, you're digging construction in the back uh, on some lot. You can see through the ground, so to speak, and see where the pipes are, where the conduits, so you don't cut off the cable for the entire neighborhood. So there are lots and lots of uses. They also talk. You can, you can use the vibration of the sides of the glasses, what's called bone conductivity, so it can talk to you, but nobody else hears it. So imagine a LinkedIn version where when you walk up to me, it tells me your name and I see all the details. So I go, oh, how is your dog Fido doing? You know, endless possibilities. And so the first generation of these come out this Christmas, but in 22 and 23, this goes mainstream just like the iPhone did. This will be bigger than the PC revolution, the internet and mobile combined. Oh my gosh, you got me so excited. I'm, and I, my, my wheels are spinning. How do you suggest that we start learning about this now and start just understanding it better? Because augmented reality, everybody talks about it, but I never see anything concrete, like the way that you just explained it to me. So like, how can we learn more about this, get more involved? Where are the opportunities? Well, they got 500 million people to play Pokemon Go. That was, that was the proof that you could get anybody to do it, where you could walk around in the real world and do stuff. And it ties into NFTs, by the way. I will be doing my first NFT in this area and get past the hype of what's going on to something that I, I think will be successful. The best way to get into it today is, is start reading, looking the news, seeing whatever, but just use your imagination. You now understand what the glasses do. It's no different than what a tablet can do, but you, know, you can't walk around holding up a tablet, so to speak. What does that solve? What does that do for the immediacy? Where can I use that as a marketing company? In my Tesla, it's self-driving down the, down the road. 
You know from all my searching and lifestyle that I eat at McDonald's three times a week. It's two o'clock, you know, that I haven't stopped to eat. There's a McDonald's two miles ahead. And lo and behold, I see in my glasses a French fry floating in the sky. If I grab it, the car will take me through and I get a free French fry. What that basically was marketing, point of sale, conversion to instant bottom line in a nanosecond. Take it down to you're wearing your glasses, you're in the aisle Best Buy, there's three different printers. If you're just going in there picking up a printer, nothing happens. If you're in that aisle for 10 minutes, why not give the person 20% off coupon for your specific model that's right there, right? So think of all the things that you do with the shopping cart, all the things that we've done online, we can now do in the real world. You buy a whole bunch of clothes from, from Macy's all the time. Macy's knows what you bought in the past. You're now in their physical store or a virtual pop-up store that doesn't really exist. All the mannequins now have your body shape. They have some of the pieces that you already have with some new things that would go well together with those. The store has been customized to your exact taste. Uh, Ikea, number one reason for returns, people are bad with spatial reality in the, in the actual sense. They buy stuff that's too big. Their, their, their living room's 10 feet long and they get a 14-foot sofa. It's not Ikea's fault that these people are challenged. So now all their catalogs have that, can open up, there's a little barcode, hold up your phone, and you can see your furniture at scale in your own place. It goes on and on and on and on. And I've worked on a number of these with some major corporations, but I'm here to tell you all the ones that are going to make people so rich are simple, solve a problem. You got my wheel spinning, that's for sure. Okay, so last question, what are NFTs? What do you think is the most important thing that my millennial and Gen Z listeners need to know? So there was a lot of hype when an artist just got $69 million for a digital file that everybody else can see for free. So here's what it is. We understand blockchain. Blockchain is, is a ledger that's on lots of computers that says, this is real. You own this Bitcoin. You own this thing. A non-fungible token is a token, think of, you know, a, a, a token from a game or, you know, a, a poker chip that says this is an original. There's a, a record of it. So lots of people can get a poster of the Mona Lisa, but the original is hanging in the Louvre. So many people can buy a new song, you know, from Justin Timberlake, but one person can own the first copy or the original copy. Kings of Leon just did this. Right now, there's silly money doing silly hype and silly dollar amounts. Where do I think this is going to go? Let me give you a great example. One of the joys of going to a concert, you know, your favorite band, is to buy a piece of memorabilia to say, I was there. Okay? Proof that you were there. So you get the concert t-shirt with the dates and, you know, you know Van Halen tour, I was there. Okay? What if they had an NFT that only people at that facility at that moment in time that actually witnessed it would have? And what if you could then display that in a way that shows that it's proof that you could show you are the biggest Springsteen fan because you've been to 82 Springsteen concerts, okay? So in the old days, you would hold paper tickets, but those could be lost or stolen. So there's now digital souvenirs. And so... That's something that, that I'm working on that I'm excited about. I think I've got a, a project that when I was a, a, a young boy, I would have you know, begged mom and dad to take me to. So I'm excited to have this come to fruition in a couple of years. But think of that. Think of what is a digital trading card? What is something where somebody wants to have that, 
that ownership. And will these become investable in time where they'll go up in value remains to be seen. But if you start thinking about towards the collection and the only way to complete the collection, so let's pretend I'm making this up. I, I didn't think of this at the time. That if you could prove that you had been to 100 Springsteen concerts, when you hit the 100th concert, you get to go backstage and meet him for the meet and greet. Okay. Now, all of a sudden, you might want to buy my NFT from that concert from three years ago that you missed because you could buy your way into that level. Just as in people that play video games buy the shield of death or the thing from people that sit and play the game all day to sell digital items. That's where this started. It's here to stay. And if you don't believe that you're going to spend money for digital, I'd argue with anybody listening that the majority of your income goes to digital today. Your rent is digital, your phone bill, your cable bill, your health insurance, credit card, student loan, all digital. It's so true. This is, it's already how we operate. And look at Bitcoin. It's at $60,000 or something already. It's so insane. There's a speech of me talking about Bitcoin uh, back when it was 20 something dollars. People didn't believe, uh, you know, uh, I was lucky that somebody explained it to me day one. And, uh, you know, I've watched, uh, I've watched people become billionaires just from, from crypto. Yeah. I regret not buying Bitcoin. (laughs) All right, cool. So thank you so much, Jay. The last question I ask all my guests, and by the way, I loved this interview and I think everyone's going to love it. It was such a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, before you ask the last question, anybody that's made it this far into your show and loves you and therefore cares about the subject, I'm not selling anything. I'm not upselling. I I don't have masterminds. You can't buy my face on the t-shirt. I'm just paying it forward. That's why I do this. I have on my website free workbooks for both Disrupt You and Future Proofing You. You just go to my name, Jay Samet, J-A-Y-S-A-M-I-T.com, and you can download those. And those will, a lot of times you're reading something, oh, this is good, this is good. And then you get to the next chapter and you forgot the last stuff. This allows you to pause and start working on your plan while you're reading. Because I believe that you can do what Vin did. I believe you can be successful. I believe you can help make the world a better place. Now on to the last question. I love that. I, I And I'll definitely link those workbooks in my show notes, guys. Okay. Yeah. Future Proofing You. That's a book. Don't forget it. Make sure you guys grab a copy. Again, Jay is doing this out of the kindness of his heart. So uh, definitely go support and learn yourself. So the last question I ask all my guests is what is your secret to profiting in life? Solve for others to solve for you. If you're on a journey that it's all about you, it's a very lonely place. But when you can impact other people's lives, it is the most gratifying experience. It gives you meaning and purpose of every day. I often tell people, if you can't find somebody with a smile, give them yours. I mean, it it takes so little effort and you never know when one word of encouragement, one pat on the back, you know, whatever it may take, opening one door to give somebody a chance can just change their whole trajectory of life. We're all here because other people came before us and helped. And we have that obligation to make the world better. And I believe the purpose in life is to live a life of purpose. And, and so once I, I had success, I wanted to help people because, not to get into politics at the end of the show, but when I saw what happened in our nation's capital this year in January, what I saw was thousands of people that feel left out, left behind, 
literally fighting over the leftovers of society. The bottom 140 million people in the U.S. are fighting over 1%. While the top doubled their wealth during the pandemic. Why are we still teaching people how to be factory workers when there are not factory jobs? Why are we idly letting democracy disappear? Because the only way you have democracy is if you have a strong middle class and the only people that create a strong middle class are entrepreneurs. They are the job creators. So what you do with your podcast is making the world a better place. And I salute you for that and keep on doing it. Thank you. I think that was so beautiful and so powerful. And where can our listeners go to learn more about you and everything that you do? I'm everywhere where you have to be on social media nowadays. So you can find me on LinkedIn or, or Instagram or whatever. My website, jsamet.com, has old speeches and articles and columns that I've written for Wall Street Journal and Fortune and other things. And uh, I love to hear from people. So don't be a stranger anywhere on the world. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you. Isn't Jay so awesome? I love having him on the show because he's always so inspiring. He's always got some of the best stories and history lessons and tips and tricks for becoming the best version of ourselves. And my favorite part of this conversation looking back was really his 12 truths for becoming future-proof. I'm sure all my Yap listeners noticed that the growth mindset was truth number one. Growth mindset is something we're always hearing about from guests on this podcast. What it really boils down to is recognizing your potential to learn and believing that you can over overcome and accomplish anything. So remember, keep nurturing that growth mindset. Another truth that really stuck out was the fourth truth. Failure is a good thing. As Jay said, fail your way to the top. And I love that, especially somebody who's been through so many failures. Learn from your failures and then move. Channel your energy into something positive. Don't dwell. Keep moving forward and level up. We also talked about truth number six, passion makes you unstoppable. Truth number eight, everything is a tech startup. And truth number 12, remote workers are your competitive advantage. It's 2022, people, and many of these truths are more accurate today than ever. Let's take advantage of all the technology and resources we have at our disposal, and let's start crushing those dreams. If you want to build your own wealth and disrupt an industry, remember Jay's acronym, MOVE. M-O-V-E, mindset, obstacle, void, execution. Have a growth mindset, identify a problem, find the void, what no one else is doing, aka, and execute. Let's keep moving forward and becoming the best versions of ourselves. Connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Yap with Hala or LinkedIn. Just search for my name. It's Hala Taha. And if you haven't heard the news, I'm partnering with Slick Text. That means you can now text me whenever you want. All you have to do is text the word Yap, Y-A-P, to my short code 28046. That's 28046. Just text the word Yap and you'll receive updates from Yap, exclusive content. I'll let you know when new episodes come out. You'll get all my promo codes and you'll get it directly to your text. So if you want to text me, and by the way, I'm going to check these personally so you can text me words, you can text me images, whatever you want to show me, text me a review of this podcast. That would be amazing. Leave us a five-star review, text me your review, and then I'll text you back and say thank you. And we'll chop it up. So make sure you guys do that. Sign up to my text, text YAP to 28046. And I'm holding you to it. If you listen to the end of this episode, that means you're a real fan. And I want you to sign up to Slick Text so we can stay connected in my Slick Text community. Well, 
Keep on developing that growth mindset and get to future-proofing. And if you like this episode, again, leave us a five-star review. Thanks for listening to Young and Profiting Podcast. And big shout out to my YAP team. By the way, we just won two awards. We're an award-winning podcast now. So we just won two awards. The first one was Best Podcast Agency. This was the Quill Podcasting Awards. We won Best Podcasting Agency. And we also won Fastest Growing Podcast Agency. So now I can say I'm an award-winning agency and I've never won an award for my podcast agency and social media agency. So it's super exciting to be award-winning and can't believe it. And by the way, we don't even have a website. So don't let anything hold you back from your dreams. You can be an award-winning social media and podcast agency and not even have your website done because all that matters is the work that you do. And so anyway, I got to get to making my website, I think. So with that, have a great night. Thanks, folks. This is Hala signing off.